Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Fatal Fortunes. I'm Al. I'm Nathan. Join us for a deep dive into some of history's most fascinating characters who live dangerously beautiful lives and whose legacies haunt us today. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday, or whatever day of the week that you are listening to this. And we are back with another episode of Fatal Fortunes. We are almost at the end of season two. I can't believe it. You know, Nathan and I were sitting here in September doing some plotting, saying, okay, we're going to be done by March so Al can do finals. And you know what? It's February. How crazy is that? So you know how we love to start all of our episodes. We love to start our episodes by placing you in the scene. So we're going to place you in the year that Mr. Sindico was born, and that was 1972. In 1972, the RMS Queen Elizabeth was destroyed by fire in Hong Kong Harbor. Sheikh Mujibur Rahman declares himself president of a newly formed Pakistan. You're so good at those. I try. There was a coup in Ghana. You know how I love my coups. Queen Margrethe II of Denmark becomes queen. She is the first queen regnant of Denmark since 1412. The Dallas Cowboys won their first Super Bowl. You know, really skyrocketed them to be America's team. Mm. Shirley Chrisham announced her candidacy for president. Woot woot. The Winter Olympics were in Sapporo, Japan. I had a Sapporo beer t-shirt that I wore to high school a lot. And one day a teacher was like, aren't you not supposed to wear stuff like that to school? And I was like, this is for the Olympics. Yeah, come on. Excuse you. Beer? What's beer? (laughs) I hardly know her. I I hardly know her. Exactly. I don't even... What is fermentation? I wouldn't know. Angela Davis was released from jail. You know, she's the queen of my universe. They had the first Boston Marathon where they allowed women to compete. Wow. I know. Pretty young. Only 50 years that women have been competing in the Boston Marathon. Motown moved to Los Angeles. And then there are some births this year. Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day, Shaquille O'Neal, Common, my mom, Notorious B.I.G., Octavia Spencer, Andrew Holness, the ninth Prime Minister of Jamaica, Ginger Spice, Queen Letizia of Spain, and hottest man alive, Idris Mm -hmm. Elba. Wow, that's a good year. Yep, yep. Some greats are turning 50 this year, everybody. Some deaths that were going on were Mina Kumari, an Indian actress and poet. Nater V of Burundi. The Duke of Windsor, who I definitely want to do an episode on someday. Palestinian author Ghassan Kanafani was assassinated. Prince William of Gloucester died in a fiery airplane crash, namesake of Prince William. And Jackie Robinson And another fun fact about this year is that it had no Nobel Peace Prize. There was no peace in 1972. But of course, we did not come here to talk about any of those things today. We came to talk about Sindika DiColo. Sindika DiColo was born on March 16th, 1972 in Kinshasa, Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. His father was Augustine DiColo who was a bank owner, millionaire, and a collector of African art. This is important later. His mother was a Danish woman named Hane Cruz, and his parents met while Hane was a member of the Danish Red Cross. 
Although born in Africa, Sindika and his two siblings were raised for the most part in Belgium and France. During his childhood and young adulthood, Augustine actually went back to Zaire to manage all the family businesses, and there are 17 in total. I cherry-picked some of them here. Among them are banking, fishing, coffee exportation, real estate, printing, insurance, mining, and car dealing. They were doing everything but breeding horses, but they actually were also breeding horses. So they had their hands in every single cookie jar that you could possibly imagine. And it must be really crazy to live in a country where your newspaper, your insurance, your car all came from one family who are not elected officials. Yeah. Like, I can only imagine what oversight was like in the colonies. I can <laughs> only imagine. When the government of the time in Zaire collapsed, Mobuto Sese Siko nationalized all of those family businesses. Syndica attended one of the most exclusive secondary schools in Paris, Lycée Saint-Louis de Gonzague. It was one of the places that Brigitte Macron, First Lady of France, currently was also teaching at. And he went on to study economics, commerce, and foreign languages at the Pierre and Marie Curie University. After graduation, he began basing himself in Luanda, which is the capital of Angola, starting in 1999. Sindika, he followed his father's footsteps and began collecting art of his own at the age of 15. Both of his parents deeply encouraged his exploration of the arts. His mom had taken him to a bunch of museums growing up. You know, he saw his father's collection. And Sindika started the Sindika de Colo Foundation to promote arts and culture around the world. One of his goals was to create a contemporary art center in Luanda, and the foundation, they lend out all of their work for free so long as those museums present the same exhibit in an African country so we can all just have this cross-cultural exchange. At one point, they even threw an exhibit during the Venice Biennale. Another show his foundation curated was 154 Contemporary African Art in October of 2014. This exhibit was held in London and many celebrities were in attendance, including Lupita Nyong'o. Not only was he showing work worldwide, he also wanted this artwork to be accessible for African people. And I think that this is just super important. And I think that in spite of, you know, all the other scandals he's embroiled in, this mission is definitely one that I think that we can share his mission. You know, I think just by us talking about him, his mission of promoting African arts has been fostered because I definitely had to do a lot of research into the stuff that he was looking at, the stuff he was collecting. And, you know, it definitely, it brought all that stuff to life for a moment. He later received a Medal of Merit from the city of Oporto in Portugal. And this stemmed from his exhibition, You Love Me, You Love Me Not. I'm going to put a link in our show notes on fatalfortunes.com so you can, you know, see what this exhibit was like. This was the biggest exhibit that the foundation ever put on. And he just might actually have had the largest collection of African art in the world. The foundation actually then chose Oporto after he received this medal as their headquarters in Europe. And toward the end of his life, Sindika turned his eye toward working with more museums in the West in an effort to get artwork from Africa back to Africa. At the time of his death, about 15 pieces of cultural heritage had been tracked down and returned to their home country. So he was definitely trying to make an impact in that space. Now, of course, for the spicy part, the part that makes him, you know, a character worthy of a fatal fortune you know the path that he crossed with that just changed the direction of his life and unfortunately a lot of people in africa and a lot of people 
in a lot of the countries that they had their hands in the cookie jar. In 2002, he married Isabel Dos Santos, the richest woman in Africa. She was the eldest daughter of Jose Eduardo Dos Santos, former dictator of Angola, and even if he was quote-unquote democratically elected, if you're in power for 38 years, you're a dictator. It doesn't matter. If you cannot leave that position of power, I don't care about what destabilization you think is going to come from you leaving power. There's going to be just as much if you stay in power forever. That's just like, I think a lot of the post-colonial problems are linked to this dictator being put in a position of power that they've had from before my parents are born into my lifetime. That's ridiculous. And his first wife, who was a Russian woman named Tatiana Kirkanova. Isabel's estimated net worth exceeds about $2 billion. And it's not a coincidence that they were doing so much business in Portugal because Isabel is actually in debt about $340 million. And investigations into her in Portugal are ongoing at the time that we're recording this, so we're just going to say allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Even though... In some European countries, you are guilty until prove, you prove yourself innocent. So they fled Portugal. They had been living there for a while, but they fled Portugal with their three children for the UAE. And that's where they had li been living at the time of Sindika's death. And in December 2021, you know, just a c couple of months ago, she was banned from the United States for significant corruption. The scandals that follow might shed some light as to why she's been banned. But full disclosure, I really don't know a lot about stocks. Um, Al, what, what do you know about stocks? Um, I know what my accounting teacher says, and then I don't get it. And then I watch a video about it, and I still don't get it. But I write down what the video said in hopes that someday it'll make sense. Yeah. It, I've, I feel like I've done similar things, but I, I have no idea. So I just want to put that out there. Um, but it looks like from what we're reading on the reports of Syndica's scandals and Isabel's scandals. Looks like both, both of them were on the wrong side of multiple corrupt deals. The main one we need to talk about is the one with the Angolan-backed diamond company Sodium. Not Sodium, Sodium. In 2012, both Syndica and Isabel had bought a major stake in this Swiss company, with Decolo and his team managing the Swiss luxury jewelers in the store called De Grisogno. In a document dubbed Luanda Leaks, it was revealed that the organization was part of a huge money laundering scheme that funneled billions of dollars into the pockets of the former first family. And then in January of 2020, the company filed for bankruptcy after pumping millions in government money into the brand. Of course, Isabel denies this, claiming, quote, The allegations which have been made against me over the last few days are extremely misleading and untrue. We will seek to clarify our position in relation to the latest accusations. This is a very concentrated, orchestrated, and well-coordinated political attack ahead of elections in Angola next year, unquote. These rich people bought land up for very reduced prices, evicted people who lived there on that prime beachfront land, took money from private banks in which Isabel was the largest shareholder of, and gave none of this money back to the Angolan people. Decolo also had invested money in oil, real estate, and telecommunications in countries such as Angola, Switzerland, Mozambique, Portugal, and the UK. In an interview with Decolo, he stated that this was done because, quote, his aim was not to build a large integrated group, but rather to have the opportunity to see Angola and the Democratic Republic of Congo as a complementary complement 
a Luanda-Kinshasa axis that could create a counterweight to South African supremacy, unquote. I just have, like, so many thoughts about this. Like, I think that when you grow up in spheres that are just this corrupt and you have that kind of wealth and status, you don't know what fair dealing is. Yeah. So when you're doing all this stuff, you're like, this is normal. This is exactly how it's supposed to go. This is how it's been going my whole life. And the fact that one unelected person, Sindika, can have the power along with his wife to to form like a conglomerate of countries is just so crazy to me. And yeah. I don't get how you have enough hours in the day to manage all of that stuff. How do you have enough time to be an art collector, a telecommunications czar, uh, a secret government, I don't know, sinister cabal doer? I don't know. I don't get how you have enough time, especially when you're a father, when you're a mother and a father and you have these three children too. I can't imagine. But this sounds a lot like secession and it sounds a lot like the plans being made on that show. Yeah. Sketchy deals, uh, unfortunately, hurting a lot of people, uh, mainly in Angola, like we said. Yeah, like I just can't believe that you would take a loan that's probably, you know, if the bank collapses, the government probably has to bail them out if if that's possible. And then all of those people are the ones who pay for your luxury lifestyle. Yeah, because they had to get moved out. And again, if anyone was making money, which I'm sure they did, they'd made a lot of money, billions of dollars. Uh, it was not the people who were living in Angola who saw those benefits. Yeah. I mean, they didn't see the financial benefits. I guess maybe, no. you know, they rationalize it. Like, if one person came to our art show in Luanda, then all of this wasn't that bad. So in addition to arts activism that Sindika was doing, he also became interested in political activism toward the end of his life. Like Isabel said, that whole scandal, um, she thought, was because of the upcoming Angolan elections. And Sindika founded Les Congolais Debout. That group opposed Joseph Kabila's efforts to stay in power beyond his two constitutionally allowed terms. So they really do have their hand in every cookie jar, arts and politics. Just like secession. They saw what was going down in Africa, and Aaron Sorkin, whoever makes that show, said, this is gold. (laughs) This, but make it white and ginger. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is time for us to part with Dear Sindika because, of course, we found out more about him after his death in 2020. So as we were all struggling with the grips of the pandemic, not really worrying too much about things, we still had Betty White alive uh, and well with Still us. had Betty Davis, too. Still had Betty Davis. Still had uh, Dustin Diamond. This brother wasn't worried about nothing, okay? He was living in Dubai, having a great time. In fact, so much fun that he had time to do scuba diving and free diving and just, you know, chill in the nice water. So, you know, we'd mentioned that the couple, they moved to Dubai after they were exiled, in quotation marks, from Portugal. And after Isabel's father had been ousted from power in Angola. So, you know, this is really in between time for them, but they have enough money and security that they can figure it out while living in nice Dubai. Sindika ended up dying on October 29th, 2020 in Dubai. He was only 48 years old, and he died off the coast of the Um al-Hatab island on the backdrop of the corruption allegations surrounding himself and his family. He had been freediving at the time, so that means that you don't use any scuba gear, you just use your breath alone. And police in Dubai do not believe foul play is involved, according to Al Jazeera. 
It sounds fishy. It sounds、yeah. super suspicious. It's very convenient that he's not around once the、uh, allegations show up.、Yep. But, like we've seen in previous Fatal Fortunes, I think some people just underestimate the power of the ocean.、Like、And karma. Yeah, the power of the Jeff ocean. Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Jeff Buckley, JFK Jr. Yeah. Damn. And now Sindika t o k o l o People、Ticolo. really do. Yeah. Yeah, guys, that's, you know, that's another episode of Fatal Fortunes. Feel free to check out the show notes on fatalfortunes.com, where you can also find our other blog posts. Sometimes you see content there that you won't see here.、Um, reminder that we have subscriber only episodes. We have about four of those on Patreon and here on Spotify. And, you know, we're just looking forward to wrapping up the season. We have a special guest coming for the end of the season, and we can't wait to、um, talk to her with all of you. So remember, on Tuesdays, we talk ghosts, and we'll see you next time.